Welcome to Labor Law Radio. I'm your host, Michael Tracy, and we're here on the internet at www.laborlawradio.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that. You can subscribe on iTunes. We're up to a couple hundred subscribers, so I'm trying to put in more content, but I do have a day job as an attorney. I work as a plaintiff's attorney, primarily in the field of wage and hour, and conduct these podcasts on various wage and hour topics. This week's is going to be on tip pooling, and it's triggered by a recent uh, trial court decision of Chow v. Starbucks Corporation. And a little bit of humor, those of you that remember the movie uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, which I believe was the second or third one in the series, in that uh, particular episode or that particular film, uh, there's a meeting with a Dr. Evil and, and number two, and number two essentially wants to divert all of the money from evil enterprises because apparently doing evil isn't that profitable. They determine that by investing in a, a Seattle-based uh, coffee company, they can have a much higher rate of return. Well, apparently, based on this latest lawsuit, evil enterprises and uh, Starbucks coffee aren't too far apart in terms of what they were doing, because what the trial court found was that Starbucks was taking tip money from their employees so that they could pay it to their managers. So they were paying their managers less money, taking tips from the employees, and paying that to the managers. So in any case, there was a class action lawsuit. Eventually, it went to trial, and Starbucks now has to pay roughly $87 million in back tips that were pilfered from these employees, as well as, uh, I believe, about $20 million in interest. So the entire judgment was slightly over $100 million, and I don't think they've computed the attorney's fees yet, so it will probably be uh, well in excess of that by the time the time the, the final damages are computed. So in any case... That's a very interesting case, and I want to talk about what triggered it and what the laws are for tip pooling, because I frequently get questions from people who work in the restaurant industry or some other industry where tips are a big portion of their compensation, and there's always questions about what the employer can and cannot do in order to, uh, you know, with those tips. So I'm going to start with California law in this matter. This is created by statute. And California Labor Code 351 reads, No employer or agent shall collect, take, or receive any gratuity or a part thereof that is given, paid, that is paid, given to, or left for an employee by a patron, or deduct any amount from the wages due an employee on account of a gratuity, or require an employee to credit the amount or any part thereof of a gratuity against, and as part of the wages due the employee from the employer. So a rather long-winded a legalese type of a sentence. It's difficult to even read here. The next part is a bit more straightforward. It's, it's a couple sentences of the entire statute, and it reads, every gratuity is hereby declared to be the sole property of the employee or employees to whom it was paid, given, or left for. Now, that second sentence very simply sums up what California law is in this regard. That is, the money is being given from the patron, you know, the customer, to the employee or the person providing the services or the persons. Now, person or persons is where that gets into trouble, and that's where I get a lot of questions, and I'll talk about that in a second. What I want to get into here is the Starbucks part, and that was contained in the first section of that particular statute, 
which says that no employer or agent shall collect the tips from the employees. So the phrase employer or agent is critical to the reading because the term or agent encompasses anybody working for the employer that can make decisions relating to an employee on behalf of the employer. So anybody that can hire, fire, schedule your shift, discipline you, write you up, anything like that, they are going to be considered doing that as an agent of the employer and they are not entitled to any portion of your tips. Now the reason for that is pretty straightforward because in the employer-employee relationship, the employer has the dominant bargaining power and if somebody can hire and fire you or set your rate of pay and something like that, it's much more likely that they're going to try to take a bigger portion of your tips from you. So California just made a very simple bright line rule for this and that is that anybody who has that authority cannot receive any portion of your tips. Now in Starbucks, it wasn't too clear what the role of these managers are. Now from the lawsuit, it made it seem like they were you know, sitting in the back office doing paperwork the whole time, and that may well have been the case. But reading some of the different comments from people posting on the internet, some of these managers were in fact performing some table service or you know, uh, preparing the coffee or doing some typical line functions. They were indeed paid by the hour. So I don't know all the facts of every single Starbucks restaurant in California, but even if the manager was preparing coffee with you, doing other things with the, uh, with the other servers, they would not be entitled to a portion of the tip because they are an agent for the employer rather than just an employee. So it's a fairly strict rule, and maybe in some cases it uh, might seem to be a little bit unfair if the manager really isn't a manager. They're an hourly employee, a non-exempt employee. They simply have the ability to hire and fire and schedule. They're denied a portion of the tips simply because of that uh, uh, of that ability. It may seem a little bit unfair, but bright line rules aren't designed to be completely 100% fair in every single case. What they are is simple, easy for employers to follow, and the employer would know these managers can't receive a portion of a tip, so we're going to have to pay them some more money as part of their base salary or their base hourly rate. So apparently for Starbucks and, and, and Evil Enterprises, they realized they could save some money, have the managers receive a portion of the tips, and pay them less money. And interestingly enough, that was essentially what Starbucks argued in the uh, the trial, that this lawsuit really was not employees against Starbucks. They said that it was employees versus other employees of Starbucks. It was non-management employees versus management employees. And because the management employees weren't represented at the lawsuit, it was, you know, the name of the lawsuit was Chow v. Starbucks Corporation, not Chow and uh, her associated fellow employees versus other employees of, of Starbucks. The verdict really wasn't valid because the people who the money were coming from weren't even represented in the lawsuit. An interesting argument, I think a disingenuous argument, definitely uh, something coming from number two and evil enterprises because the employees aren't arguing that the tips should be given back to them from the managerial employees. Hey, Starbucks paid those guys this extra money. That was a deal between Starbucks and the managers. So Starbucks chose to compensate their additional managers with this, uh, with this tip money. That doesn't mean that that money has to be taken back from them in order to pay it to these employees. Uh, the employees are suing Starbucks because Starbucks illegally withheld that money from them. 
Now, what Starbucks chose to do with that money at that point is entirely up to them. It wouldn't make any difference if they used it to uh, pay the pay the lease on the uh, premises or uh, buy coffee beans with it or pay it as uh, dividends to their shareholders. It was simply there's two separate transactions. The money was illegally withheld from the employees. It was paid to Starbucks Corporation. Starbucks Corporation then paid that to the managers, but that doesn't mean that you have to unwind that transaction. Like I said, they could have just as well paid it to dividends to their shareholders. That wouldn't mean you could sue the shareholders directly to recover that dividends. It was two separate transactions, but that was the argument that uh, Starbucks uh, attorney made. So in any case, that was the uh, Starbucks case, and it kind of highlights a whole bunch of these issues, and I get asked these quite frequently. So again, if they're a manager, they cannot share in your tips. But if they're non-management, California does allow mandatory compulsory tip pooling. You don't have to give your consent to it. It doesn't always have to necessarily be fair. The There's been a couple court cases on it and not a whole lot. But the basic thing is, is that courts don't want employees fighting for tips. So any tip pooling policy which is considered fair and designed to promote harmony among the employees is probably going to be upheld. So this frequently comes where an employee, you know, a customer leaves a tip to a waiter in a restaurant. It's 15%, 20%, whatever it is they put on the check. The issue is is that there will be a number of employees that provided service to that person. Obviously the waiter or waiter, waiter or waitress. There could be the busboy that cleans up afterwards, the hostess, maybe the maitre tea. If they ordered drinks from the bar, uh, the bartender probably poured those drinks. So who gets these, um, who gets these tips? The, you know, the, the customer is not going to break it out on their check and say, this is what I want for each particular person. So the courts have said, well, anything that's pretty fair, sort of a typical thing, anything that's industry standard will probably be regarded as fair. They've upheld a fair split to be where the waiters or waitresses receive 80%, uh, the bus boys or bus persons receive 15%, and the bartenders receive 5%. But those aren't etched in stone. It's supposed to be something that roughly approximates the amount of work that goes in there. Now, the problem that comes up, and I get questions like this, where employees are trying to scrutinize individual transactions. And while technically... There's probably some merit to these these claims, and I'll, I'll go through one. So we've just said that it's fair for 5% to go to the bartenders. Well, I get a question, what if I just served a, a large table, and they were all teetotalers? They all just had water. Nobody ordered any drinks, and the bartender did not pour any drinks for this table, and this table left me a very large tip, several hundred dollars. The bartender wants his 5%. Am I obligated to give it to him? Well... I would probably say yes. It's a little bit difficult, but again, I don't think the courts are going to say we need to to look at every single transaction that occurs in a restaurant, analyze it in detail exactly how who performed how much work and proportion the money exactly so that the tips are allocated appropriately. The restaurant would also argue, we don't like that allocation that is excluding bartenders when they don't pour drinks because then the waiters would be more encouraged to not have people order drinks. 
waiters are supposed to be pushing drinks on the customer so that the, the revenue for the uh, the entire establishment would increase. But if waiters figure they can make an extra 5% on the tip if the people don't order any drinks, then they might be uh, less inclined to have them uh, you know, to ply these drinks on the customers. Probably not the best argument, but definitely one that would be made by the employer and probably bought by the court. I think so even if you have individual transactions and the bartender is getting 5% of those transactions that are not uh, part of the uh, of the service, he didn't provide service for that particular customer, uh, probably still going to be upheld. Now, if that's the prevalent thing, if most people come to this restaurant to do something other than order food and drinks, and this isn't an isolated transaction, this is sort of you know 90% of the transactions people never order drinks, that's pretty rare in the restaurant industry. So, you know, difficult to, to construct where that wouldn't be fair. There, There is possibilities. The other thing I frequently get is who can I be forced to share my tips with? The general rule is anybody who provides direct service to the customer. So this includes waiters, uh, bus persons, bartenders, hostesses, wine stewards, uh, the bartenders, front room chefs. That is chefs that uh, the person can see. You know, the classic example of this is a Benihana's where they, they, they cut up the uh, the food in front of you and grill it right in front of you. And cle- clearly there, the chef is providing direct table service. Uh, when they're in the back room and uh, they can't be seen anywhere, generally they're not entitled to a, a portion of that tip. Now, you do see some restaurants that break it out. What portion would you like left for the uh, waiters? What portion would you like left for the, uh, for the chef? Uh, so, there is, so there is that. If, if the customer does directly allocate it, it would be appropriate to, uh, to pay a backroom chef such as that. Common question I get is, can I be forced to sort of split the bar or share the entire bar? I work on the left side of the bar. I'm hustling. I'm pouring drinks. I'm making a lot in tips. The person working on the right side of the bar is a slacker. They're pissing off customers and, and not doing a good job. And, and at the end of the night, I've got $500 in tips and they've got $200 in tips. Can I be forced to split that so that I get 350 and that they get 350 Generally, the answer is yes. Uh, again, probably not one of these rules that is entirely fair from that particular perspective. Again, the goal is to promote harmony among the employees. You don't want two employees working at the bar sort of jockeying for the customers that they suspect are going to leave large tips or competing with each other for tips. So if if the employer wants to have a policy that says everybody working behind this bar uh, is going to split the tips evenly, probably going to be upheld, even if you could conclusively prove that you were the better bartender and you were pouring the best drinks and you were always getting the most amount of money and this other person down at the other end was simply a drag on the uh, on the bar and a drag on the tips. So you get a lot of those people complaining about their coworkers and being forced to split their tips. Unless it's something that's really, really egregious, uh, probably going to be upheld. Now, if the person down at the other end of the bar is receiving a disproportionate portion. I mean, it has to be, you know, 50-50 or something that's fair. You know, if, if the person down at the other end of the bar is the owner's son, and even if he doesn't have any hire or fire ability, but he gets 90% of the tips from the bar and you only get 10%, then that probably wouldn't be fair. You could probably get that, uh, get those tips back. But that's a, you know, that's a rare situation. So other things with tips, 
it's illegal for the employer to take any portion of the tips back from you, and that includes credit card charges. So if a customer does leave you a tip on a credit card, the cost of processing the credit card needs to be borne by the employer as part of their general business operations. They can't deduct a portion of your tips in order to process credit cards. Another frequent problem with tips is sort of this credit against wages. Tips are, again, a transaction between the customer and the employee, the uh, patron and the waiter. So the money never belongs to the employer at all. The employer may have temporary custody of it while it's being transferred through the credit card system or whatnot, but the employer never owns that money. And because they never own the money, they can never pay it to the employee. Now, minimum wage and overtime and all of that stuff require wages to be paid from the employer to the employee. So because tips are not a payment from the employer to the employee, they cannot possibly be credited against minimum wage. They cannot possibly be credited against your overtime payment. So they're simply a transaction between the customer and the employee. They cannot be credited against minimum wage in the state of California. It's different in other states. They And they, they don't count for overtime at all. So they can't be credited against your overtime, nor do they contribute to your regular rate of pay. Uh, for the frequent listeners to this podcast, we've talked a number of times about regular rate of pay computations, and all forms of computation are used to determine what your hourly rate of pay is. But because, again, tips are not being paid from the employer to the employee, they are not being used as, you know, they are not used to increase your hourly rate of, of compensation. So if you're paid minimum wage, currently $8 an hour, your overtime rate would be $12 an hour, even if you normally receive $20 or $30 an hour in the form of tip compensation. So hopefully that covers that covers most of the aspects that I get asked frequently from uh, questions uh, that come in over the internet, as well as covering the, uh, the topics in Chow v. Starbucks. It's very likely that Chow v. Starbucks is going to be appealed. The decision was just at the trial court level, so we'll probably see more of Starbucks and uh, Dr. Evil as we go on, and I'll cover that as uh, interesting topics come up. In any case, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. This podcast has been a commercial advertisement of the office of Michael Tracy, not meant to be legal advice, and it's not sort of established attorney client relationship. Any statements made during this broadcast are all swear or not guaranteed to be the outcome. Michael Tracy is licensed as an attorney only in California.